warm Independence Day weekend. Welcome to one and all. Of course, we had midweek, the 1st of July, which of course is Ken and the day. And of course, the 4th of July, Donald Trump was making sure that everyone remembers that America is the best nation on earth. Not to live in many ways. Okay, so before we get started, I'm going to say that everyone, of course, has their two minutes and then you'll have 30 seconds to come back and add a wee bit extra. There is so much to talk about this week. We're going to pick up the ones that are a little bit, let's just say, tasty, spicy, and in Alex B's case, very darn tasty. But more of that and on, as they say. I'm going to go straight away out to two men, to a man who is covering the, let's just say, the final moments of the Russian Premier League Championship. After this, it'll all be very Liverpool and very damn boring. Well, yeah, the inevitable has happened uh, in England already. Of course, Liverpool are champions, playing dreadfully against Manchester City. So that was a mild, mild um, uh, consolation. And like you say, in Russia tonight, we may well see the uh, champions confirmed as They are currently leading 1-0 against Krasnodar. A win will seal the title for them. But that's been inevitable for some time as well. So it, I wouldn't quite describe it as drama. What positive, though, all 16 teams actually put out a senior side this match day. So that's the first time since the lockdown. So that's a major, major step forward for Russian Premier League. There is, of course, as always, uh, negative scandals that we have to cover. And this involves the future of a, an institution of English football, Wigan Athletic. They are going to be placed in administration because of some phenomenally shady dealings with investors in the club. I mean, a long story short, uh, an investment fund uh, bought the club at an extortionate rate of, uh, of a, a loan, an extortionate rate, um, and within seven days, they themselves had filed for administration, and there are links between the sponsors of the shirt sponsors of the club. But worst of all, in the Philippines, there is a, a betting group that registered enormous bets on Wigan to be relegated who have direct links to the fund that bought Wigan in the first place. Worse, even worse than that, the EFL, responsible for the fit and proper persons test, the most laughable test of all time, were aware of the links between these groups uh, and still allowed the, the, the purchase to go ahead. And now Wigan are in serious, serious trouble uh, of going out of existence. Um, hopefully it won't happen. Uh, if they go into administration, they are docked points, which means that they will be in relegation trouble. It's going to be even harder for them. Um, do you think that, that, that anything's going to happen with this or will it be another kind of disaster for English football that we'll all forget about in a week's time? Well, uh, Dave Whelan, the... the former chairman or current chairman, I forget which, um, he was very, very vocal in uh, his expletives, expletive-written criticism of this. It's not going to go without a fight. And we have seen some slightly more organised fan protests at these, um, you know, disasters that have happened. I think this is not going to go quietly, but I would say it's on a knife edge whether Wigan will survive or not. That's my gut feeling. It's, it's, it's very, very hard to tell, um, but I think it's worrying. Okay. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Okay. We're going to go straight away to Toronto, uh, where he is still recovering from Canada Day. It's Alex B. Alex B., you have some very tasty sports news for us. Uh, I have some news that are very, you know, really hit home on this one. A man who really, I don't think he needs, he deserves to be, he should, he should have no introduction. 
this is the man that listen if your um, if your standard for the greatest of all time is somebody who's been able to dominate his sport without being without there being any close competition then I think this is the greatest athlete of all time he is the uh, 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2016 Hooters Worldwide Wing Eating Champion and Chile. The man holds 46 world records across 46 disciplines. And yeah, I think this the man's name, Joey Chestnut from San Jose, California, age 36, weight a healthy 230 pounds. I'm, I'm just going to tell you about this man's achievements here real quick. So he holds records in eating long-form chicken wings, regular-form chicken wings, hot dogs, pulled pork sandwiches, Taco Bell tacos, regular tacos, hamburgers, meat pies, donuts, glazed eggs, asparagus, pork ribs, corned beef sandwiches. These are all separate tournaments, by the way, that he won. Apple pie, Philly cheesesteaks, funnel cake, fish tacos, traditional tacos, mutton sandwiches, jalapeno poppers, Pulled pork, regular pulled pork, boysenberry <laughs> pie, Twinkies, shrimp cocktail, poutine, uh, brain tacos, Eggo style waffles, ramen noodles, and there's lots more. I'm just going to, you know, I value your time too much here because the man's done it all. The man's done it all. <laughs> and so yesterday, um, the man was deemed by Forms Magazine as the July 4th hot dog hero because he downed an astounding 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay the greatest the greatest athlete of all time i rest my case i listen i i i'm okay with that because it, this is it takes work to, to do this listen there's no there's no doping here in the what's the league name? um the mle the major league eating <laughs> oh my god Okay. Um, I mean, it is an achievement. It is an achievement. It is. Whether it's a valid achievement. It's oh, but by all means, if you ever watch a Joey Chestnut competition, it's always like heartbreaking to see the ne- the person next to him who's trying to finish like his seventh hot dog while Joey is like on his like freaking thirty sixth or whatever, and he's still <laughs> having time. Competition have died of diabetes or obesity by now. But Joey Chestnut, he actually he looks very healthy. Like if you look up a picture of him, he's he look he looks like fit. Sides do not look good after eating seventy hot dogs in would <laughs> say seventy an hour. Uh, but what springs to mind is the Roman vomitarium. You know, like where you overeat, yeah, then go in, and they would tickle the back of your throat with whatever, and you'd throw up. Okay, Alex, we're going to move quickly on from that because I'm actually hungry after listening to that. Especially poutine. Poutine. Alex, Alex, your 30-second question we're going to ask you. What is poutine? It's not like a French version of Vladimir Putin or it's not. uh, Poutine is also a a name in France for a woman who likes to sell her services. But what is poutine in Canada? Uh, So, you know, on on this side of the the ocean, we don't really like regular fries. We always like to put some... We always put got to put some grit and the greasy on them. So the Canadian version of that is we have the put gravy on them and pieces of cheese, and all of that it turns into it's like triple the calories, but it's called poutine, and you know it does occasionally when done well. I think Joey Chestnut would eat bowls of apparently twenty eight pounds, twenty eight pounds in ten minutes is his record. 28 pounds of poutine and... Te- oh, pure poutine. 
Holy Jesus. I, I was able to get from Wendy's, I, I ate poutine, but it was a struggle to get like a small little carton of poutine down me. Right, yeah. okay. All right. Alex, <laughs> did, did, you, did you say 28 pounds? Yeah. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. In, yeah that, that translates as what, about 10 kilos? No, 20 kilos. That's, oh, about, 14, that's about 14, 14 kilos. kilos. 14 yeah. kilos, yeah. Alex is right, 14 kilos, yeah. Okay, um, looking now at the uh, healthy face of our legal eagle, Isil Cody, she is looking horrified at those statistics. Isil, you're going to speak about skinny people right now, and skinny people who take stuff to make them even more skinny and make them even run more, but they have great excuses for taking the stuff to keep them skinny. So from one sickening story to another, uh, Kipsang who is a double Olympian and has also managed to win the London Marathon on more than one occasion. He has really taken the biscuit with his latest um, attempt at getting out of doping um, charges. So basically, instead of actually being caught with the substance, he um, missed a number of tests, similar to some well-known athletes who have been topical recently, including Mr. Coleman. However, rather than say he was at fault, he decided to suggest that he had missed these number of tests due to a variety of reasons, including a landslide. And the second being he produced a photo of an overturned truck that blocked him en route to the destination he was meant to be at. The difficulty is it transpired that truck overturned three months earlier three months later my apologies and in the case of the landslide the actual description was that the investigators found that there was no inclement weather on that day so as a result he's got a four-year plan which he can choose to appeal but i think based on the idea that he had actually been deliberately misleading investigators it would probably not be his best idea he also is from a country famous for recent athlete testing positive for EPO. So it's the drug of choice in Kenya at the moment. My following 30 seconds. So Formula One resumed today in Austria and Formula One being considered a sport of the elite due to the, in the sense that the amount it takes to go and become a Formula One uh, competitor is made a really positive stance this week on um, ending racism with all uh, participants wearing t-shirts with end racism on the back and Lewis Hamilton the only black um, racer at present having a t-shirt with Black Lives Matter as well on the front. Um, six drivers chose not to take a knee where the remainders did but they all explained their um, reasons for doing so and this comes following on from a week when the former head of F1 suggested that Bernie Eccleston that Formula One was and in his words too busy to be worried about racism. Yeah, I heard Lewis Hamilton complaining that you know all drivers should take part, but you know no matter what, it, it, for me it's like okay, if you want to take a knee, take a knee. If you don't take a knee, don't take a knee. There's no reason why not to because it was the reverse where one you know African American we know who it was <coughs> Kaepernick, he took a knee, and his African American teammates chose not to. Why? Because mm. they were going to lose money. They were going to lose jobs, or potentially. Had they all taken a knee at the same time as him, 
I don't think Colin would have been out of the game as he is. Um, he was already sliding out of the game from being a phenomenal player to, you know, kind of losing his eye. And so as in like, you know, getting like losing his, ta- or his ability at that moment. But uh, there's a huge uproar at the moment in Ireland over counties back training or some of them being reported as being back training. They're not meant to. So you've got the club team, the local team, and then the county team, which is a representative team. The county teams are not meant to be back training until the 14th September, but there's reports that some are back. Where does the responsibility lie, and should the GAA start banning players, officials, and teams from competition? So I listened to one very interesting interview with a man who was a former player, uh, Michael Dignan, and now a count. He's the overall chair of one county, and his point was the book stops. It does stop with individual stop with individual teams and counties to say we we're not going to go to training, but let's be realistic. If you don't show up for training and you're being told to, then you're going to be dropped from teams or there's going to be other issues. So I think it starts with the GAA. And I think in terms of counties, this is the first opportunity in my memory of clubs having priority, like real priority. So I think that there needs to be fines placed on the clubs, on the counties that choose to violate the policy because as well as that, the potential negative effect if a county team comes down with COVID as a result of breaching the rules with no one, with everyone looking the other way and saying, oh, but you're only training together. Training is the most likely place when they're going to catch the disease and spread it. So it's not a professional sport, but I think you have to apply the rules and show leadership from the top and say, we're going to punish counties that breach our own rules. The you know counties are hungry to win because it means money, it means glory, and of course a day out in Crow Park or days out in Crow Park because now it's a knockout, it's a straight knockout. So if you lose, you're gone. No backdoor, no nothing. So okay, that is fair enough. The death of the father of Habib Nurmagomedov this week, uh, it was kind of coming for a while because he was very ill with COVID. Now of course he has had a checkered past. Um, had issues with alcohol, issues with his behaviour around people. But just in pure sporting terms, he is a a, a world record holder in terms of producing Sambo champions. Um, Just tell us a little bit about him in terms of uh, fight sports, especially MMA sports. Well, he's, yeah, right now he's one of the best coaches in MMA. Obviously, he trained Khabib, who is like, you know, Khabib, he's yet to have been defeated so it's kind of like his system like the what uh what Abdulmanab Nurmagomedov is trained sort of in his fighters it's sort of being it's a very difficult thing to accomplish and um you know I think that all of his controversies in the past that's not really you know especially compared to other people in the sport you know it's not really as as big a deal especially you know when Con- Conor McGregor was the one who was you know, saying all these allegations, but I, I think, you know, like compared to, you know, the things Connor has done, things that Connor has on his record of dual monops, you know, it's, he's kind of like a saint compared to him. Yeah. Right. So I also think that obviously like a huge loss for the MMA community. Okay. Uh, Andrew Flint, um, going across to you, uh, Liverpool, of course, getting the, their pants pulled down and spanked very hard by Man City. Uh, Manchester United pulling down another team's pants and spanking them. What's with all this spanking in the English Premier League right now? Is there is <laughs> well, football is on? a slightly slight, slightly deviant bunch, as we know, but um, it's, it's slightly bizarre how entertaining it's been since the um, well since the Premier League has resumed. 
Manchester United's front three at the moment are, are just absolutely flying. Uh, Marcus Rashford was the big academy hope, but uh, Mason Greenwood is, he, I, I believe I'm right in saying, he's, the, he's one of only three 18-year-olds to score as many goals as he had this season. He's scored twice. Um, the, the Champions League race is really heating up right now. You know, you've got Leicester and, and Chelsea of third and fourth at the moment. Um, Manchester United are closing in, though. And I think with what, five games to go, uh, it, it really is genuinely keeping the Premier League interesting. I mean, we knew Liverpool were champions from ages ago, so that's never re- title race has never really been the exciting part of this. Um, honestly, I'm biased, but I genuinely do think the momentum is with Manchester United. Nemanja Matic was persona non grata in the squad about four or five months ago. And he's now in the form of his life, arguably. It's genuine selection problems for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And his, his last 13, 14 games, it's one of his best runs of forms he's ever had. So a lot of people were saying, laughing, Ollie's at the wheel. Well, yes, he is. And finally, you know, I kept the faith and I was rewarded. So he's done this for me. I know he has. All right. Okay. Athletes... Uh... Pressure and abuse. So, uh, Choi Suk Hyun, she is a South Korean, or was a South Korean triathlete, uh, 22 years of age. Uh, she had filed a complaint um, some time ago about the abuse and violence that she had suffered at the hands of her coach and the team doctor. She was a, an elite level triathlete um, and she was very, very upset because the investigation was taking its time. And with family and colleagues, they, you know, they were upset because many of her friends and people on her team refused to support or give testimony because they were afraid of getting um, caught in retaliation. She took her own life last week. Is anything worth it that there's that abuse and pushing athletes above and beyond the norm? You know, should, like, is, is sport really worth it? Mm, no, I think there is some people that are willing to do that. You know, there is people that, you know, have done extremely well because of how t- their coaches were on them but I think some people they don't really like that uh, you know it's not that, that approach is not really you know that what they what they how they function you know like we've had like you know like the UFC fighters in the past that were in the cage and they didn't want to continue fighting anymore some people are just not cut out for doing this type of thing and it's important that they aren't forced to be doing what they don't want to do especially in sports you know on such a high level that's a very good answer thank you very much I, I especially the usc reminder which we discussed before as well with the fighter want to pull out i mean push back in you've got some brilliant examples of that thank you uh andrew same across to you um you know pushing people beyond the mental limits and then when they made the complaint nobody's standing up for their rights I, i'm speechless i mean sport is something that is used in such a good way for so many things, but unfortunately in the most despicable ways as well. I mean, people get blinded by sport. Um, they use the glamour, they use the popularity, they use the stage, the false stage. We all know it's just a game, and yet we love it so much that we're blinded from the fact that it is just a game. And when people use it to think, they're not even looking at a person anymore. They're looking at a vessel towards their own gratification, their own rewards, their own glory, their own justification, for whatever reasons there are. And the, the, the lack of checks and balances within the sport, it, honestly, it could sicken me. I'll give you one quick last example. My father supported Manchester United from the early 60s, and he, has, he loved it. He honestly, he, he 
he made an excuse to his boss to go to the 1968 European Cup final in Wembley. He could have lost his job from it. He was a passionate fan as it could get. He just doesn't care anymore. Now, that doesn't sound dramatic, but to me, that breaks my heart. The number of people who have shared father-son moments, families have grown into sport. Sport covers up so much, and we can't turn away from that just because it's nice to watch a game on the TV. It's... Uh, I, I'm heartbroken when I hear that story you've just told and there are so many more Thanks Andrew uh, you know Esau we're talking about the, the, the players going back out afraid to get dropped off the county panel if they don't put their lives and their families' lives and communities' lives at risk is it worth it in the end? I think we can almost tie it back to two things that we've been discussing we mentioned uh, Kaepernick and his protest from a purely livelihood view he was making a stand and his career effectively ended. So you put that, that was the pressure of, on other teams feeling they couldn't hire him. But you imagine the pressure he must have been under to take a stand on something he believes in. Then you go to the other end of the spectrum and you imagine the pressure when you make a complaint about, if you were to make a complaint about your employer and not have it dealt with, you're compounding the issue. A young girl at that age, that's talking about years of abuse. And I think it's very, very difficult to understand. People have not looked at the likes of the sexual abuse in gymnastics in the US and said the difficulty there was compounded and made a million times worse because there were reports made that never went anywhere. When someone reports something, the job of any organization is to look into the benefit of the employee, the athlete, whoever it is makes a complaint and to not only, even if you find against them, but to come to a resolution in the shortest possible amount of time, giving fairness to all the parties. Because for that young lady, all you can say is, if there had been a resolution either way, that at least would have made her feel that her complaint had been looked into. It may not have been the outcome she wanted, but it's the not being investigated and not considering Athletes already sacrifice so much to compete. When you go that step further into abuse, be it sexual, be it physical, be it mental, they deserve to have a complaint looked into. They're putting their bodies on the line to an extent that's abusive anyway. Okay. No, you're right. You know, if they had done that, she would still be alive today more than likely so um, okay look we'll lighten up the mood at the end of the show because we're just going to quick run around I have a simple question for each of you so just answer as quick as you can I will start with uh, Andrew on this one um, Andrew a famous ex-Chelsea uh, and Russian international said to me that uh, he would go gay for one certain Irish actor if you would uh, do the same who would it be for athlete actor well, if, if it's athlete, we already know the answer to that. Mr. Fiora Smollett, of course. All right. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> Alex B., um, if there's one female athlete you'd like to invite out for dinner to see me in Toronto and take her up at the top of CN Tower and show her a good time and uh, you know, enjoy a, a glass of beer with her and some poutine, who would it be? Oh, there, there was the, the lady that was with Joey Chestnut that was the title holder for the women's hot dog eating contest her I not because of the hot dog eating part yeah it was a poor poor choice of example but yeah (laughs) (laughs) he thought this through 
I hope to God your parents are not going to listen to this show. <laughs> or your university in Canada because you were done. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, Isolde, um, if, if, if uh, an alien spaceship were to come down and take you up and say, okay, you have um, one night with one athlete, who would it be? Not for any immoral purpose, just sit there and talk all night with them. It's going to be Lomachenko and every fucking count. <laughs> Lomachenko wins every one of my competitions. My car is called Loma. My obsession with the man knows no boundaries except for a restraining order that he will someday get. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's be clear, if you are going to get a restraining order, it means he needs to be within a distance to serve me with it. So, living the dream. All right, that's it for tonight, folks. Um, thank you to Andrew, Eselt, and Alex. We're going to be back later on this week. 